everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Rambling Ambos. Uh, we've got Jen here. Jen, how are you? I'm great, Carl. How are you? Yeah, really good. I mean, we're aging, Jen. We are. We have. We've um, aged months and months. The, well, no, a couple of years even we've been going with this podcast now. <gasps> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Oh, and Lee, sorry, mate. Um, it's all right. You're Just here too, here. aren't you? <laughs> myself. Hi, Lee. Welcome, welcome. I'll, I'll introduce myself, Carl. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your... Is Lee short for anything? No, it's not. It's just boring, plain old Lee. No, don't don't put yourself down like yeah, that. Yeah, but it's not Geneviève. Well, it's true. That's I have, I still have more E's than you in my name. Mm, and, you and, and the E's make up two thirds of your name. That's going to be the next quiz question. How many E's in Genevieve? Three. Wrong. A four. What's the four? Four. I would never have said four. What's the weirdest thing it's been? You've been called like gotten it wrong. Yeah, assembly. Hey, you know, um. Do you, do you, do you, I, know, I guess no, Genevieve's. Not, I just I mean, always get assumed that my name is Jennifer. Oh yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you see me out there on road, it's Genevieve. Okay. Jemima, yeah. Geneva. Oh, I get Jenna sometimes. <laughs> What's that country? Geneva. Geneva. Yeah. <laughs> Geneva's not a country. Oh, is it a city? <laughs> no, it's a city of <laughs> it's uh, a city. Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or Genovia? Did you guys ever watch The Princess oh, Diaries? I'd love Genovia. Mm, I did, but I don't remember the character. Oh, oh. Don't lie. Oh. Yeah, that's because it's not a Favorite character; movie. it's a country. <laughs> I mean, it has been a little while again. How how are you both, Lee? You're still flying high, mate. Yeah, yeah. How's that all? Uh, oh, it's been it's been great. It's mm. been the best. Uh, best thing for mm. me for my career. I've loved every minute of it, and fortunately, will continue to keep get to keep doing it into the mm. future with a with a new contract. Moving on into the future, Do you get to um take ride alongs. Oh yeah, congratulations! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, bit of bit of good news recently, but no, unfortunately not. They mm. used to they used to take ride alongs quite a lot where I work, but. I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. Mate, I think people would just blame it on COVID. But yeah. um but yeah, no longer, unfortunately. What's your favorite thing about working on the choppers so Ooh, far? Um oh, I love Oh hang on. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, that's I a good love question. The uh I love just that most most times when the phone call rings, it's a job that um, you know, you're going to actually make a big difference yeah. in someone's Oh, outcome. come on. I've been at the job where care flights <laughs> calling for, you know, grandma with abdo pain yeah, and it, the person who's called triple O has made it out to be this absolute mountain of a job oh. when it's really nothing. Yeah, but at least that time you've arrived there in a helicopter. Yeah, you know? that's like, true. You um, can still sound cool on the radio. Um, but no, it's not about sounding cool, Carl. It's about um, oh. being able to... Make yeah, like a difference. Most jobs when, you, when you're in a sort of a, like a medical team, uh, are pretty like they're high acuity, mm. they're big jobs, yeah. and that's what I like about the job. I know there are lots of people who just who revel in like you know um, extended care kind you know, of world, and Lee, it's just it's not uh, me exactly. I mean, there's the lovely nanas at the nursing homes that um, I'm sure would appreciate oh, their. I've done my fair share of those. Can yeah, I? yeah, okay, my I'll fair go. share of those. Where, where's the most random place you've been to? Ooh, that you've landed random. Don't know. Oh, uh, obscure. I guess. I mean, just like a long way. It, there's a lot of times that we get there, and it with, with the first on scene because it's so far out, and it's, mm. there's no road crews anywhere near. Do you often land on people's properties, like yeah. farms and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite often, especially out further. Yeah. Further out, you get the more likely it is to do that. But you told me recently though, you landed and then you couldn't get back up in the air. Oh yeah, it was a bit of a problem. Yeah, <laughs> not my fault. Uh, <laughs> thank goodness. But I did piggyback someone the other day, which is <gasps> sort of you know not 
that common, but it was just because of the floods. We had floods. That's hilarious. We got in there. It was a twisted ankle and the best way to get this person to the helicopter was to piggyback. I feel so like you've done that before too, haven't did you? did do that in the bush yeah. once. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe that's my like, go-to. Well, guys, if you want to <laughs> ride on Lee's back, <laughs> just crack your ankle just and you'll come on. and piggyback yeah. your back. <laughs> but, Jen, you, you back me. It's kind of sometimes the easiest option. Yeah. How many of you piggyback, Jen? <laughs> None. None. <laughs> How many times? I have mean, you I've got, piggybacked like, a lot of partners, but uh, like uh, work partners, yeah, yeah. Yes. metaphorically. Well, mm-hmm. I, yeah. But how I'm many times have you been like tw- six people around a stoke stretch, and you're like, man, this would be so much easier if I was just piggybacking. Yeah, honestly, and some patients are kind of like, mm, oh, actually, you don't really need to be carried yeah, out of here. Come on. Yeah, uh, I'm anyway. all for the stokes because you know what? You can hold on and not even have to lift, and no <laughs> one knows. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. just kidding. Anyway, just how kidding. are you, Carl? Yeah, look, I'm fine, guys. So you know what? I was um, I was watching this movie the other day. I don't know if you've seen it, Starship Troopers. No. It was around, and no. I was like, it's like an alien movie, and um, there's these three people that go through high school together. Yeah, and I feel like that's us. You know, oh, yeah. one's joined the 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 army. Yeah, one's yeah. joined the air force. So Jen, I think you're the army. Okay. One's joined the air force, oh, yeah. and one's gone into the critically important intelligence unit. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that must be me but yes. like i just think um uh, it's really nice to see you both developing Aww. you know it's, it's and you kind too, of cool Carl, but it's nice to catch up it's nice that we what? can all you're wearing a lot more stuff on your shoulders than we are Carl. Yeah. that's all for show no it's not mm. it's not plus the pay packet doesn't mm. lie mate anyway guys look i mean <laughs> i've been off road for some time so i'm not going to pretend to know what i'm really talking about so i'm just really going to hand it over to you guys and then just butt in when i feel like it's yeah. necessary because I don't know. you're getting too boring or <laughs> We're cutting away. I don't know track. if you've noticed, Carl, but um, Lee and I are clearly the, you know, always clinically correct, very oh, yeah. accurate, oh. knowledgeable. Well, with this, this fault. is the um, critically acclaimed <laughs> podcast for <laughs> all ambulancing. I hope our, ambulancing. I hope our <laughs> listeners just listen in for good bants and good stories, like Mate, not good clinical. There's nothing else to the podcast. <laughs> it yeah. has to be good bants and it good stories. It is good bants. And. Well, look, guys, I feel like we've survived COVID, right? Yeah. Um, you know, there was a bit of touch and go there at the beginning where I thought it was going to wipe out yeah. half the population. It hasn't <laughs> been that bad. No. But I tell you what, I mean, you you have to admit and, and we, we're seeing it across the world where people are leaving the health workforce, not just, you know, paramedicine, mm. but, you know, yeah. in hospitals and the, and the health settings, people are walking out the door. Yeah. COVID has been bloody tough for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so it got me thinking, what's your plan B? If you weren't... Ooh. <laughs> plan B, plan B. If you, if you weren't a paramedic, Jen, yeah. what would you be doing? Well, I'll, I'll preface it by saying actually in uni. So I started doing... Um, Nursing and paramedic double degree, oh, and overachiever. Uh, yeah. Well, mate, I like yes. I mean, people <laughs> are leaving the health workforce, yes. not yeah. going from paramedics to yeah, nursing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I actually, so I did my first year, and I was not enjoying it. I didn't enjoy it, and so I took a year off, mm. and I went to you know go find myself. And oh. I decided in that year that I was going to come back to uni and I was going to do international business. Oh, and um, the more that I thought about that idea, the more I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> So I just yeah. dropped the nursing, came back. You to know what? I could see you as like a partner at one of these big uh, four consulting oh, I'm firms. A, I'm not much of an entrepreneur, but yeah, but you got the gift of the gab, and that's all that you. matters. <laughs> I can chip game face. <laughs> but actually, recently I've discovered. So I don't know if you know, but I um I have bought a house, which is very exciting. Yeah, well, congratulations. Thank you, again. thank you. And um, with a house comes a lawn. And oh, with I thought a you lawn. meant alone. I was no. like, yeah, you're not wrong in Sydney. <laughs> no, with a house comes a lawn. And I've recently, I've never, mm. I've never mowed a lawn before. Mm. I 
really enjoyed mm. mowing. So right. I think my plan B would be a landscaper. You're going to be a bit of a, a lawn porn mm. star. Mm. I, <laughs> you know, that's a, it's a real thing, lawn porn out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, great get on Facebook. TikToks, yeah. yeah. Lawn porn. Hashtag what, lawn porn. Can you just, because my mind is in the gutter, can you just hey. explain what lawn porn just, is? Just good go lawns. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, mm. not can porn really, on a lawn. No, no, no. You can get really <laughs> deep into like good lawn content mm. and like how to manicure your mm. lawn, how to fix your lawn. Well, I know what I'll be doing yeah. after this exactly. recording. Yeah. So um, that's my plan B. What about you guys? Uh, for me, I don't, listen, I, I don't have any other skills apart from being a paramedic. So it's uh, it's looking not great. Lifesaver. It'd have to be. Firefighter. No, 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 no. I mean, I, you love them both. It'd have to be. Uh, I don't know, unskilled labour of some sort. <laughs> <Just that>. <laughs> wow, <laughs> exciting. I Terrific. Uh, no, I have actually... Gosh, um, you're lucky you found your calling then, Lee. I've actually gone through a bit of a... Um, what about like a... I've seen I'm you in Lycra it, before. Getting, you're, you're a bit of a cyclist, no, aren't too you? too difficult. Too hard. You have to train too hard. Mm. No, I've done a bit few renovations at home and I've quite enjoyed that process. Like mm. maybe a chippy, just maybe something like, you know... I think it would be the same. Four p.m. It would be the know. same as as you being on the chopper in a way that you get to like see the fruits of your labor I in guess. front of you. I guess mm. in yeah. a very different way. In a very different way. Um, no, I have enjoyed. I have enjoyed that. So I think you know, just just like a, a chippy. Mm. It's kind of boring though. No, sorry, no offense to chippies, but like I wanted to come up with something ha- funny or whatever. But no, <laughs> well, I don't have any skills, Carl. Definitely not a stand-up comedian, but that's okay. Hey. Carl, no, what about look, you? I mean, I don't really have anything that funny, but I've always wanted to be that person on Getaway, right? Oh, oh yeah. Or postcards. Postcards. It's What's the same that? thing, but just a different channel. Is no? that like a, a is Victoria that like, thing? Is that like Honey, Seven Honey or something? <laughs> <laughs> is that one of those shows that no one seven ever watches? <laughs> Nine Honey, thank Ten you. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. Mm. So Getaway. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being one of those hosts. Although they, yeah. It's not what it used to be like, though. Either, Andrew Dado, Carl Dado. Yeah, <laughs> you know they used to be like on prime time at like seven thirty. But I think yeah. that also I'd go for an hour. Now it's like Sunday afternoon, yeah. Yeah. Sydney weekender. It's all you can get. But, but who watches TV anymore? I guess that's half that's the problem. That's true. You I need to make a TikTok account no, of like no, no, travel. No. I, I watch a bit of TV. I've mm. got my favorite news air. readers and Jen doesn't even have an antenna port in her house. No, I don't. Oh. All I watch is Stan. Wow. All I watch. Here we go. Can we segue on to the next topic mm. of self care in COVID? I don't know mm. about you guys, but I know everyone's a little bit. Over it. So, well, that's so, what we've just been talking about the last 10 minutes, Jen. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but let me tell you my little secret to keeping myself sane in COVID. Mm. Uh, I am a shameless RuPaul's Drag Race watcher. Oh. So let me just like, for a few people who probably don't know who this or what this is. Yeah, I think most um, people do. Mm. I don't know. There's a few listeners out there that might have, you know, alternate Listen, I've taste. I've heard of it, but it's I don't fine. know what it okay, is. Okay. So it is, it is essentially a elimination style competition between drag queens. Oh. So each season there's like 12 to 14 drag queens and they like compete each week in challenges that might be like um, singing challenges or comedy challenges or lip syncing or costume design or whatever. Right. Mm, and yeah. it's all, it's very campy it's very theatrical and it's also very funny but interestingly i've learned a lot about like the transgender community the queer community so i've learned a bit but i'm also like it is such sugary funny entertaining content that we have watched uh, 12 regular seasons and five all-star seasons. Oh, wow. It's Sorry, 17 did you just say seasons. 12 and five? Yeah. 17. How many episodes per season? Um, oh, probably 12 or 14. Did you and they go for Did the hour. TV turn off at all during COVID <laughs> or was it just <laughs> constant? Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. So informative and entertaining. Yes. Ah. What a great, you know what I found all as, as that's my happy go-to place um, on Netflix? Yeah. 
Queer Eye. Oh my god! Also, I love that show. So great. Queer Eye's great. <gasps> What's that face for, Carl? Oh no, no, no. Have you ever watched it? Lames. Have you watched not. it? Don't yeah. you say that? Yeah, they're like, uh, you know what? You got to go to Line of Duty. What's oh. that? British crime. Oh, okay. Yeah, drama. I do like a good mm. British crime. Anyway, drama. anyway, like we're, we're not bloody reviewing TV shows That's here on true. this show. I mean, it, it is not a bad. We need not a hard hitting paramedicine. But um. Look, I mean, I guess on that topic though, Jen, of, yeah. of self-care, everyone mm. loves a good therapy dog, right? <gasps> love a therapy dog. Also love a non-therapy dog, dog just love dogs. Mm. Well, well, exactly. But, um, you know, we all love do- – well, I know the three of us love dogs. Actually, Lee, I'm not too sure about you. I love mate. dogs. I just don't uh, have one. Yeah, but I just saw you the way that you patted my dog with the back <laughs> of your hand. <laughs> that just <laughs> seemed a bit weird. That dog needs a little bit of discipline. Uh, anyway. Oh, he's adorable. Um, <laughs> So, but but not everyone's dog people, right? So, mm. um, if you could choose, you know, instead of a, a therapy dog, what would your therapy animal be if, if dogs weren't oh. around? Alternate dog, uh, alternate therapy animal. Yeah. Mm. Do you have one? Um, Actually, Jen, we'll go to you because Lee's aren't generally that funny. So <laughs> no, mine wasn't going to no. be funny. Well, I don't know if mine's funny, but I just think of like, what do you want out of a therapy animal? You want something that's kind of cuddly. You want something that's kind yeah. of lazy, yeah. mm. you know? And I, I recently watched a video, a therapy wombat. Very yeah. cute to they're, pat. Yeah, they're not that friendly though. Well, okay. And obviously there's, the there's one at like, you know, the sanctuary that's also, been tamed. Have you touched mm. them? They're wiry. They're mangy. Mangy? Yeah. Mangy. Yeah. Mangy. Both. Either mangy. Mankey or mangy. <laughs> yeah, like I thought they were cute. They're and then fluffy. I was driving on the road and saw one. They're wiry. Yeah. All right. I'll just leave. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I would probably, when we, when I was out at the, um, at the, in the bush working, uh, I worked with someone who is like a wires contact yeah. person. Mm. So yeah. when a little Joey got hurt or its mum died, she would get the Joey in a pouch and bring it to work. Mm. Best therapy animal ever. Really? I yeah. imagine them to be quite like scratchy. They are a little bit, but you put them on the ground, they're so un- Gainly, their feet oh, are about fifty percent of sixty percent of their body, Aww. and so it ju- it's so cute. Honestly, if you're having a bad day, look at a small kangaroo try and jump, oh. and you will immediately be happy. That's cute. Yeah. So I'd say can- uh, therapy, Joey. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. What about you, Carl? I was thinking a horse. Okay. Oh, it's a lot of upkeep for a horse. Yeah, yeah. I know, but they're just so like. Sell it to me. Why? Yeah. I don't know. I just I I fear horses. <laughs> yeah, well then you don't. Then no. Horses <laughs> yeah, smell fear. I know. I know. But like that, I, I don't just want... feel like it. It it gets me in the right zone. It gets me out of that depression and the sadness okay. because all of a sudden I'm now fearing this animal I, that's about I would to trample me. Tr- I would always choose ter- being terrified over sad. Well, you know though how parents yeah, but always. You know what you could choose instead of being terrified. Being happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when it, when it's it's easier to to shift the focus into that fear factor because I, like you know when you're young and your parents tell you one thing and it just stays in your mind and yeah. it's never walk behind a, a horse. horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, even nowadays, yeah. like it's such a like a kick when I walk behind the horse, not from the horse, I but like. Know, a, but how often are you walking behind horses? Oh, like if ever I see one, I might do a quick little <laughs> just just cheat death, maybe walk past a horse. <laughs> Very uh, well, guys. Look. That's pretty much the extent of the debrief for today because we've got a pretty extensive uh, clinical corner which is all about traumatic cardiac arrest. Oh, and you know to what? bring the mood yeah. down a little bit. <laughs> a bit of a bit of fear in you there. So, um, well, uh, traumatic cardiac arrest is a bit of fear in me. That also yeah. gets me going, especially having not done one for a very long time. They're pretty stressful, hey? Mm, so uh, we'll change tune when we come right back after this. See you soon.
All right. Well, look, we um, did blubber along a bit there in the uh, debrief, but uh, now it's time to knuckle down with a pretty thorough case conundrum in the clinical corner. Um, it's not coming from Lee, me. <laughs> it is coming from Lee. <laughs> Isn't that unfortunate that your name and me are very similar I that I just mispronounced and um, got but that whole thing But it is coming from me. It's not coming from you. Yeah, that's true. You're going to give the valuable insight though. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Aren't Love we, it. Jen? Yeah, you and me, Carl. We have all the hard-hitting questions and none of the answers mm. today. Well, I hope uh, that's not true, but if you don't have any answers, I've got it all in this handy PowerPoint that I made. Mm. Yay. Uh, all right. Well, what are we talking about today, Lee? Listen, we're going to talk about traumatic cardiac arrest, or TCA for short. Mm. Not a uh, not a very uplifting subject mm. by any stretch, but an important one nonetheless because... I always I, prefer the first half of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> listen, at some stage, at some stage, we'll all come across one of these jobs in our career, mm. and boy, oh boy, do they um, spin you out a bit. Mm. Have you come across TCA like traumatic cardiac arrest in in your time? I know you've I, done some big jobs, but like, I don't think I've actually. Oh no, I have. I have. I've done a uh, gunshot wound to the neck. Oh yeah, it's good. Which, like, let's be real. Well, yeah, so sometimes survival will depend. Anyway, depends on the caliber and the. Yeah, you know, anyway. What about you, Carl? Yeah, I have, but none of that have um, survived. Yeah. 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 That's interesting that you say that because they don't survive very often. But I would like to point out early that uh, most or all of the literature would suggest that it is not futile our working on these patients. Okay. Um, well, what sort of, I mean, what sort of patients? Have them like well, what are we, what are we looking question. at? Yeah, so most of the most of the patients that die from uh, traumatic cardiac arrest or have traumatic cardiac arrests are between the ages of twenty four five to forty four, and they are men. So that, like does not surprise me yeah, in the slightest. Like hold my beer, kind of. Yeah. Let's watch this. Um, yeah. It's not surprising that we, you know, us in that cohort um, are the ones that suffer us, from this. Yeah, I'm not in that age group yet. Twenty five to forty four. Yeah. How old are you? Oh, hang on. Oh, yeah. Well, Sorry. Right. I forgot. <laughs> Yeah, so Carl's actually seventy-four. Yeah, uh, young men, young men die mostly of this, but it's not specific, only young men. Forty-five um, percent of all the deaths between the ages of one and forty-four were due to trauma. So that's nearly half of the deaths in that age group. Mm. Is this globally? You know, this is an Australian perspective. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, between twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, the rest of the world are a lot smarter. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I don't um, know. The, it, it equates to fifty three in every hundred thousand people. So, mm. um, you know, it's not they're not tiny numbers, but they're not huge numbers either. And compared to medical cardiac arrest, mm. we see um, th- about. Th- 15 versus 85%. So 85% medical, 15% traumatic. traumatic mm. That's actually more than I would have expected to be yeah. honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, the survival yeah. rate, like if we talk survival rate, it's not fantastic like I mentioned. And are we, sorry, are we, when we're including in that number, people that are being worked on in the cardiac arrest, that are the 15% or they're just the ones that have died a traumatic They're the ones that have been worked on as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, so so anyone who dies as their etiology is a traumatic cardiac arrest. Okay. Um, survival rates for cardiac arrest in Australia and throughout the world, there's a couple of big studies that suggest it's around about that 5 to 7% only, Ooh. which is pretty low. But medical cardiac arrest is not much better in where we work, about mm. at about 12 to 14. Um, so yeah. other areas in the world, it's, it's much better. Mm. Yeah. So that's a bit of context. Young men die. 
other people die too. It's not hugely survivable, but depending on the forces applied to the body, it might be. So I'm going to give you a case study. If I have a female that's, you know, being hit by something, I'm going to be thinking something else with those statistics. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Well, you know, you're going to look at the mechanism. Okay. Which is what we're going to get to, but... It's really heavy thought. Sorry, guys. Let's talk about the case study for a sec that I want to propose. And I want to hear your thoughts. Okay, so a 38-year-old male... He's underneath a car when a jack fails. So he's yeah. jacked it up. He's doing some work. That's resulted in significant weight to the chest and the head. Um, it was which wi- part of the which part? Sorry. So let's t- let's say it was one of the axles. So yeah, the okay. differential or something's gone down on on the on the chest and the head of the patient. Yeah. Yeah. Witnessed uh, by bystanders initially flailing their legs and making sort of grunting noises. Mm-hmm. Um, and were released after about five minutes. Mm. So there's five minutes of entrapment released by bystanders, jacked the car back up, got him out. The first ambulance crew um, were there on scene about eight minutes after the initial call um, when the patient had already entered into traumatic cardiac arrest. Yeah. A good ongoing CPR by the bystanders. So that's your initial picture. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, when you talk about um, your patient who is kind of flailing around, I mean, in my head you'd immediately have some kind of head injury just from the the blunt force trauma to the head. Yeah. this is something I don't know, but like when we talk about being crushed, I'm not great with entrapment, but mm. in terms of how long is long enough to be significant when we talk about crush injury? A long time. Mm. A long time. So and five ma- minutes is probably too short. Too short. Well, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I guess if they're in um, cardiac arrest, eight minutes from the initial call, you'd probably, you would start it's, working. It's not it's due. A, it's, it's, yeah. You'd think it's a workable. And it's not due to the cr- high, the crush syndrome. It's going to yeah, be due yeah, to yeah. something else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that's yeah. just more yeah, of a... Yeah, good call. No, I was coming. thinking about that too. Yeah, yeah. but I guess um, I guess you, you, you've potentially crushed the actual heart or you've caused yeah. traumatic damage to the... Um, heart or you you know you might look at a tamponade or something like that yeah, i'm not yeah. sure like yeah throwing exactly some so there out. might be some myocardial tissue you know, damage you know. as well and head so this is a big oh, yeah, catastrophic injury right so um yeah so how do we know who to work on is sort of a good question i think to move forward because sometimes you get there and there's patients that you're not going to start working yeah. on so those it sounds awful and it's never intended to be, you know, insensitive, mm. but well, you got the injuries incompatible mm. with life, yeah. you know. Um, I think that's a massive call. Like, I don't know about you, Carl, and again, I've been lucky that I haven't been like first on scene to a traumatic cardiac arrest, but uh, it's one of those things. I always think if you're not sure and if you're quite, even if you're not junior, if you're just not quite sure, I think there's nothing wrong with starting absolutely and yeah. then allowing that call to be made by someone else who feels like they know well, a little remember, more than you do the literature suggests that point. The, it's mm. not futile so yeah. starting is always a good good th- reason you know thinking that you you might want to or not being sure if it's the right call to make um yeah. to, to call it off they're good reasons to start yeah so i think in my head it's like they've either got to be decapitated or like they're cut yeah. in half yeah you know yeah. in my that's yeah. like it's only if it's that clear cut otherwise mm. i'm not sure yeah sure so some factors associated with rosk um and favorable neurological outcome because you, again we're not just trying to achieve rosk for rosk's sake we want these people to have some sort of quality of life after yeah. their ordeal so those things would be and not in any particular order would be sort of um, like initial initial shockable rhythms. So okay. if the patient's still in VF or uh, rarely in VT, but if they're in some some medical sorry some cardiac rhythm that's shockable, great. That mm. that's quite a good mm. sign. It's encouraging. Yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah. It's like yeah. PEA comes ECMO. next, and then asystole comes after that. Mm-hmm. So, mm. but again, it's not unheard of to survive with other 
um, mm. rhythms. Signs of life within 10 minutes prior to ambulance arrival. Really good sign. Uh, penetrating injury versus blunt force injury to a degree. Why do you think that is? Sorry, sorry. You should – like penetrating is more favourable. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, because I, it's more isolated. Yeah. yeah. yeah Whereas blunt force, you're more likely to include a whole bunch more. Yeah, yeah exactly. You've got, you've got a lot of more body systems involved with yeah. blunt force. The diffuse force. like energy transfer through the mm. body disrupts more things and so therefore you're going to have uh, more injuries. And sometimes penetrating injuries with low velocity are not as traumatic as a high-velocity penetrating yeah. trauma. Like so, a gunshot and, wound. Yeah, I was going to say like yeah. a stab wound versus a gunshot wound. Yeah, exactly. Um, isolated head injuries are better prognostically than than other traumas to, to, uh, traumas to other areas of the body yeah. um, because once you sort of establish a good airway and you can breathe for them and you can relieve some of that pressure, then great we can revert it's a reversible cause that we can do something about yeah um and witness arrest with limits downtime or if it's something that we can reverse the causes of like tourniqueting decompressing a chest yeah. sealing up a chest wound you know packing a junctional wound those kind of things yeah so there's some reasons why we would start obviously reasons why we don't start mm. yeah injuries incompatible with life being down for too long um, you know, unwitnessed and, and you know, other we, – we have probably know all of those things anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you, do you have any more, like, I guess, just going back to that injuries incompatible with life, any more examples of what you might include in that? I mean, this might sound quite traumatic, yeah. but, like, I don't know. What, so, what obviously, do like you said, decapitation. Yeah. Um, complete exsanguination. So, if you see multiple litres and litres and litres of yeah, blood okay. on the floor externally and the patient's got no signs of life, I think you can fairly say yeah. that this is in unsurvivable. Brain, brain matter on show. Yeah. I had a um, – oh, uh, it's a pretty awful job, but it was a gunshot yeah. um, to in, 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 into the head. Yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't completely disfigured. Yeah. Um, it was quite internal. Yeah. But – having put two and two together that this is what's occurred yeah. in an asystole rhythm. Yeah. It's like, well, oh, hang on, guys, let's yeah. just... Yeah. And sometimes like it, it takes you a and moment And I always to thought, in, yeah, injuries incompatible with life would be very obvious. And it more often in, than not is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I felt like in this case, the injuries, like there was a little bit of just... Yeah, anyway, I won't go. I think, I think what you're looking at there is a, is a catastrophic injury with PEA, like you said. I'm not sure of the downtime of that job, but once you put two or three or four things together, you just go, this is mm. unsurvivable. Mm. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. All mm. right, so we've spoken about, you know, what, what would indicate some starting and we've spoken about what would indicate not starting. Mm. We're going to go on with our case study. Yeah, okay? sure. Cool. So the crew arrived and... CPR was immediately paused, mm-hmm. okay, because remember there was good bystander CPR on uh, yep. And the injuries were as such. So we had major deformity to the right side chest wall, mm-hmm. obvious compressed skull fracture to the right temporal parietal region, so that's the, the right side and, and top. Mm-hmm. And the patient uh, had periorbital ecchymosis, so raccoon eyes. Oh, I've never seen that. Mm. So obviously a big base of skull fracture, which is causing bleeding into the, the, around, the, around the orbits. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Spell it. Yeah. Um, okay, so no pulses. Patient was apneic. Pupils, interesting, were a size three and non-responsive, so not yet fully dilated. Yeah, okay. And they had a PEA rate of 60. So does that change anything for you? Or not change so much, but like what's your first step? This is where you guys as clinicians or us all mm. as clinicians have to go, <gasps> okay, Yeah. What's take a first? breath. Yeah, Carl, thoughts? Um, well, CPR was stopped. Because why? Like why would the crew have stopped CPR? I mean this is a age-old conundrum. Mm. And it's always interesting when you've got a lot of hands 
there. I mean, available. If you, yeah, yeah, if the people are doing good CPR when you first get there, sometimes it's easy to say, oh, we'll continue that yeah. whilst we do the other things. But obviously you want to stop to stop the bleeding Yeah, yeah. Um, to keep that volume there mm. as much as you yeah, that's can. A really good, that's a really good thought because if you're going to do CPR and traumatic cardiac arrest and you're what's, – what's that doing? That's increasing cardiac output. Mm. And if the cardiac output is increasing the bleeding, then you're f- speeding the process up to bleeding out. death. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think um, – I mean, I'm taking a special ops mindset to yeah, this, but yeah. you can always apply your – just starting your primary assessment again and starting mm-hmm. with a march, for example. So um, march is uh, massive hemorrhage, airway, yep. respirations, circulation – Wait, head, have I missed something? Injury. No, you got yeah, your circulation, circulation. And then what is it? Head, head injury, injury slash hypothermia. hypothermia. So you can always look at that. Personally, and I mean this is just from inexperience and I think let's all be real here. I look at a head injured patient and I instantly, because I'm not an intensive care paramedic, I look at a head injured patient and I go, what am I going to do for this patient? Mm. You have a, he- a patient yeah. with a clear head injury and I feel like personally in my arsenal I have very few um, – tools to stop that Mm. the chest injury i think there are things that can be done so we can look at you know uh have a listen to the chest can we can we provide some supplemental oxygen does this patient need to be have their chest decompressed which is a a, a paramedic skill um i think accessible to most states and that's something that you could do so i think that you would definitely consider that but for the head injury like i don't know yeah so what what can paramedics do well that's really I like that you started with primary survey because we've yeah. got to we've got to know what we're dealing with, right? And we've got to determine whether or not CPR is going to be, you know, um, detrimental or potentially, you know, good for the patient. So, quick primary survey to find out what the mechanism is and their injuries. I would follow that with controlling bleeding, obviously yeah. for starters, because that's the thing that's going to kill us quickly. Um, external hemorrhage control first with your tourniquets and your wound packers followed by internal hemorrhage control. So I think this is something that gets missed quite frequently is Mm -hmm. the pelvic binder early. And these Mm -hmm. patients are bleeding, right? They're Mm -hmm. blunt force trauma. We need to try and stop what we can. So pelvic binder on early and limbs to length. Yeah, I thought you didn't mention the pelvis though. I thought you said chest and and head. Yeah, that's true. That's where I was like, yeah, yeah. no, you're right. And in this particular case study, you you might look at the pelvis and go, no, it's intact. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're and we're quite happy. But uh, remember, the I patient was already out. The yeah. patient was already out by the time that the crews got there. Um, so yeah. you're going off. You're going off sort of yeah. bystander um, which, notes, which can be wrong. Which can be wrong. Yeah. Uh, and and but you, if you look at this as a as a general principle, external hemorrhage, internal hemorrhage. Let's get the pelvic binder on early and let's pull limbs to length because mm. the, if if you pull a limb to length and it's you quick and easy. you minimize the volume available to that bleeding bone then you're going to reduce the bleeding volume in that in that long bone mm-hmm. right or in that long bone compartment. can i add a little little tidbit onto yeah. that um just because i recently have been doing heaps of um like looking into this for traction splints just yeah. as a as a little hot tip to anyone using them we should always have a pelvic binder on first yeah. and then traction splints afterwards because you can apply a traction splint with that um i mean there's a few out on the market um, but you can apply with the what's it the groin strap yeah. can go over the pelvic binder. So if mm. you're going to put a binder mm-hmm. on, you need to do it first. Yeah, mm. yeah, anyway. hard to do. Otherwise, have done it. Yeah, because the pel- the CT six had gone on, mm. but um, but hard to do. So you're right, absolutely. Uh, I would then quickly I would start oxygenating the the um, the patient. Uh, yeah. So th- you asked like, what do you do about a head? I think mm. this is the uh, one yeah. of the big oxygenation. Things. So oxygenation mm. is. You've got to get blood up into the head. Mm. You've also got to oxygenate that blood. Hopefully it's not a 
coning situation where you've got an in- increase in intracranial hemorrhage forcing brainstem down, yeah. you know, causing that that Cushing's triad reflex. Um, they become bradycardic, their pulse pressures widen and they, they – you know, they become agonal. They start agonally resping. That's just a bad situation that we can't really. We can't. I mean, do this guy's about. dead at the moment, though, isn't it? So he it's is. pretty bad at the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but still, yeah. But fair. for the patient that you um, can do something about, you want to hyperoxygenate them, or at least oxygenate the blood that is getting to their brain. So establishing an airway is is a good sort of idea. Now, that doesn't need to be a tube uh, yeah. at this stage. It needs to be an airway. So, yeah. airway doesn't always equal tube. Um, I really want to stress that. Yeah, why even be a Goodell? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A well-functioning bag and, and Goodell, like mm. naso, fantastic. Mm. Remember there's a base of skull fracture here, so be careful. But we've sort of gone away from don't put a naso in head injuries because I think, you know, that was one time that yeah. naso ended up in a in the cranium. And, yeah. Um, but we know, need to take it on a case-by-case case basis. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so, so we've talked about primary survey, blood con- hemorrhage control, Adequate oxygenation, decompress the chest. Yep. So like you said, needle decompression. If you have the ability to do a finger thoracostomy or a tube thoracostomy, mm-hmm. um, get rid of that hemothorax. Can I get one step back? Mm-hmm. Um, chest decompression. You said this patient, mm. for example, in particular had right-sided yep. chest injuries. Yeah. Would you still decompress both sides? Yes, I would. Okay. Traumatic cardiac arrest, absolutely. I would start with the right side because it's the affected side. Yeah. But we're going to do both just in case. Mm. Why? Uh, pretty much – I, as as I understand it, we just in case. Oh, just in case there's damage yep. to the left yep, side as well. Yeah, just in case there's damage yep. to the left side, and it's not going to do any harm because it's a it's a one way valve sort of thing. So, um, you know, you're going to pop it in, and you're going to hope for the best, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're going to refill them. So that's okay. the other conundrum. Mm. You know, CPR is a conundrum. Refilling patients is a conundrum because some people are lucky enough to carry. Uh, blood products. Do you know? Are there any services that do carry blood? Yeah, absolutely. Products in their normal ambulances Not or intensive normal care? ambulances. Intensive care single model right, module okay. ambulances do. Do I you know, know where in the world? Queensland. Okay, uh, Queensland, I believe. I think I believe Mica. It's some some Mica ambulances. Don't quote me on that. I no, need I'll to. Wait. I, need I to wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> if, if if the viewer listeners out there would like to. Give us yeah, some detail us on that, but I'm I'm fairly certain that Haru up in Queensland and oh, yeah. Micah down in yeah. Victoria do lots, if not all, medical teams on HEMS will mm. carry some sort of blood product. But I but also there are there are uh, ambulance services, including Queensland, I believe, that carry freeze dried plasma or extended life plasma. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. So like, there's things happening, and people are doing a lot, and it's not mm. just crystalloid because currently mm. crystal. Well, we know crystalloid is really good for boiling pasta in. It's kind of a famous, <laughs> famous sort of understanding because it's salty water, and yeah. salty water that won't save your patient's life. Oh. But okay, but I guess pre that, like, if we're talking on, about our on road paramedics, yeah. I mean, is it? Is it a bad idea to give some fluids? Listen, I think to the patient in traumatic cardiac arrest who needs some filling, mm. then no, it's not a terrible idea, yep. but it's not what's going to save yep. their life. It's Don't gonna, go gung-ho, but yeah, you can definitely it's do not, it. It's going to help um, increase volume, therefore increase cardiac output, and it's going to do, but it's going to dilute clotting factors. It's going to yep. freeze them down. It's going to um, mm. push clots off that have already been formed. You know, So it's kind of a bad situation, but it's the better option to give them a bit. Versus just, nothing. Just don't go too hard with it. To KVO. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they're the sort of things that once you start and you get on scene, you think, oh, what am I going to do? That's the what's what I do. Primary survey, external hemorrhage control, internal hemorrhage control, yeah. establish an airway, um, 
followed by decompressing the chest and refilling them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then, I mean, we're kind of talking, I mean, they're general principles, but yeah. we've, I guess, semi-spoken about what on-road paramedics can do. So yeah. then ultimately, what can a medical team do? Yeah. What, what do they bring, what are they bring a, to the table? Yeah. Would we be giving adrenaline anywhere in there? Well, that's a good question. Let's come back to that. I'm going to come back to that. The other thing I just want to add before we talk about the medical team and the adrenaline is there is one other thing, mm. okay, that's super oh, important. Yeah. You guys have heard of the – Call for backup, check for danger. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have heard of the lethal triad? You know mm. what? Here we go. I'm going to show you. The triangle? You the triangle, yeah, yeah. Lack of knowledge. Just Carl. keep the patient warm, guys, oh. um, because they are. I know they're already dead. Let's take it step back a step. They're so not quite easy. dead yet. Yeah. Keeping the patient warm is super important. Um, you know, the lethal triad or the lethal diamond, if you're throwing calcium in there as well, it's something that we can do as first responders that makes a difference to the patient's outcome. So anywhere under 35-ish degrees, their clotting factors start to dis, you know disable, um, which means they bleed more, which means they become colder, which means they be- bleed more, which means that they become more acidotic and which yeah. means they bleed more. Yeah, so it's just this like downward spiral of death. So keep your patients as warm Whoa. as you can. Carl, you and I can do that. We can. Oh, put I can chuck on a blanket. I mean, it's still the first thing that comes to mind when you rock up at the job. Quick, and nor should it, nor should it be the first no, thing you do. I know, I know. But put you put your patient in a space but blanket. Gus should be impressed when you turned up oh, and the blanket is all wrapped had, up. In. If you had a space blanket on and they were in a warm ambulance, I would be super happy. Um, yeah, it's it's CABC. It's not ABC. So catastrophic hemorrhage yeah. comes first, and keep your patient warm right at the end. Um, what does a medical team do? Well. There's a, there's, there's a few things that a medical can, team can do. Um, we've already spoken about pelvic binders, you know, cervical collars, decompression of the pneumothorax, yeah. airway establishing, um, banging a couple of lines and start giving some fluids. Well, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Don't go too hardcore. The role of the medical team is really interesting because part of, you know, one of the big things that they bring is kind of a non-tangible skill. Uh, or a non-technical skill. It's that senior leadership. It's that extra set of eyes and the big brain that comes along. Yeah, I feel like you would get this a lot. Like, yeah. I don't know, but <laughs> I've had a few jobs recently where someone else has turned up and I'm like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Someone thank else God. to make a decision. Yeah, doctors on medical teams, especially res- um, retrieval specialists, are really good at figuring out what's killing the patients and how to stop them dying, you mm. know. So they can do a lot of that. And they've seen it a lot. They're very experienced. They come along and they're mm. able to help, you know, diagnose and, and figure out the next step. So the first thing I want to say is that that's what they bring to the, the team. Um, you know, RSI or rapid sequence intubation yeah. uh, and mechanical ventilation Would- is, is, is important in like – ventilation strategies for the head injured um, and making sure that we're not increasing, you know, too much intrathoracic pressure and therefore reducing cardiac output. So being able to nuance the ventilation strategy is really important. Would you be needing to get a ROSC first before you start thinking about an RSI on this patient in particular? You you would do a cold tube or a cold airway. You're not giving Uh, any drugs in a a cardiac arrest. Yeah, true. Because they're already in arrest. No, because they're already dead. (laughs) Because they they have no reflex. But if they were a traumatic, if they were a patient suffering traumatic injuries, but say they were like a GCS3, would you still RSI them? Yeah, you would yeah. RSI them in yeah. that case. You would just do really low doses or you would resuscitate them first because you're uh, going to give them drugs that are going to collapse their cardiovascular system yeah. and therefore you're potentially going to kill them with the RSI. Yeah. Um, they bring blood products, POCUS, so point of care ultrasound. Um, oh, so oh can, I have, I've seen that. Yeah, a little yeah. bit of diagnostic tool uh, to, to uh, 
determine where the patient's bleeding. Uh, and then some surgical interventions. So you've got the, the cricothyroidotomy, which is the you know, difficult airway um, maneuver. Yeah, yeah. That's gnarly. Uh, finger mm. or tube thoracostomy. So the holes in the chest make the patient a fish to get rid of that hemothorax. Yeah. And a more definitive pneumothorax fix. Mm. Um, and then thoracotomy. So that's kind of really end of the line, end stage, nothing else is happening, penetrating trauma, which is perforated the myocardium. You've got a bleed there, you need to open up the chest, Google it, it's gnarly and not great survival rates, but certainly, Have you certainly survival rates. Have ever been party to one of those? No, I haven't. Oh. I've done it on a pig. Uh, Ew. Uh, right. <laughs> Hopefully not a horse. <laughs> not <laughs> or a therapy horse. Might kick you on the way. Yeah, so no. Very, very quite rare, but we do them. Yeah. Uh, and and p- people within within our service have done them and recently. And, they're, you know, they're not usually associated with good outcomes. But it mm. is a way to deliver the myocardium, deliver the heart, stitch up the heart or staple up the heart. That's it's crazy. Nuts. Yeah. It's cardiac surgery on the roadside. Yeah. The other thing is a, a rapid transfusion protocol or a major transfusion protocol, which is bringing more blood to the scene and bypassing ED sometimes with a code crimson. So you just go straight past ED, straight to surgery. Mm. You know, and, and generally that's something that has to be done um, early to... Is code crimson uh, a, an Australian term or is that worldwide? I believe it's massive? worldwide. Yeah, okay. I believe. I have to, I'd have to check that, but yeah. I think... Worldwide, mm. I think. So, yeah, so they bring a, quite a lot, um, uh, you know, if, in that high-end care. But the, the crux of what we need to do here is like we've already established where, you know, when you first get on scene, stop the bleeding and establish an airway and decompress the chest because there's no point in getting a medical team to come if you haven't done those things well, right? Because the patient's mm. not going to have yeah, had any chance of survival. Mm. Yeah, Because we'll, yeah. um, we'll I'll that. just <laughs> chuck a needle in the pre- chest. Yeah. <laughs> Breast, yeah. chest. So, Carl, you said adrenaline... I did say or not because normally in a medical cardiac arrest, yeah. we're going to give some boluses. Give it in a second, in the cycle. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know, jury's out on whether that makes a difference in medical cardiac arrest. It's fraught with um, debate. Uh, if you think about the pharmacokinetics of adrenaline and what it's going to do, you're going to get lots of alpha innovation and and therefore lots of vasoconstriction. Ex- okay. excites the myocardium. Myoc- oh, hang on, <laughs> never mind. Continue. If, on. if it's the patient's bleeding. They're just going to bleed faster when you mm. give that vasoconstrictor. You know, you constrict everything, and it's going to shunt blood out quicker. Um, it's not. I'm not saying don't give it at all. Yeah, give mm. it as one of the last things you do. Do what your protocols say too. Or do your what your protocols say. Don't say, oh, I was listening to Lee on this uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, you need to just need to look at the patient and see what the what the you know. It, mechanism of action well mechanism Mm. of injury is here um adrenaline is not associated with or uh with good outcomes or bad outcomes we Mm. don't really know right Mm. um paramedic two trial was kind of said that there was increased levels of rosc but not increased levels Uh, of neurological outcomes yeah good outcomes yeah so you know it the evidence would say that it's not super beneficial in traumatic cardiac arrest for a mm. variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, do what you do what your guidelines say. Yeah. And mm. but just try and think about what's happened to the patient and whether the mechanism of action of adrenaline is going to help. Yeah. Right? Vasoconstriction, increase, you know, cardiac activity and make things all speed up. If your patient's bleeding actively, that's going to kill them quicker. Mm. Right. If they're not bleeding actively and they've got a really weak, sick heart, I mean the 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 presses are going to make that heart work harder. They're going to make it 
its metabolic demand increase. So therefore, they're mm. going to become more hypoxic and uh. more acidotic. You know, so you're so not really selling it. So it sounds like listen, it's not I, helpful. It's n- not for me. Yeah, okay. it's not for me. All right. But do what your local guidelines All right. say. I've got another then. Uh, hit me. Hit me. Question for you. Yeah. So thinking about adrenaline, CPR. Do it, don't do it. Because yeah. if you've done all of those fundamental interventions, yeah. so for example, yeah. you know, medical team, the the helo, there's traffic so far in the there's air. There's no blood circulating anywhere. It's yeah. just yeah. But like let's say, for example, you you know, you've popped the chest, you've got the line in, you've got a little bag of fluids yep. going. Yep. You've kind of ticked all of your things yep. that you're supposed to do. So do you just sit back and kind of look at your watch and wait no, for the team to no, arrive? Or do you start no, CPR? You, don't. you need to start some CPR. I think the general consensus there in the literature is start some CPR, but not before all the reversible mm. causes have been identified and addressed you need to do those things first before cpr and only if there's enough hands on scene and the patient's not actively exsanguinating out of a hole that you haven't plugged Mm -hmm. um, would you do some cpr but sure you're not going to sit around right at the end when you've fixed up all the holes Mm. you can you've got an airway established you're giving some fluids or some blood product hopefully you're obviously going to give some cpr to keep the pump going and circulate what you can okay so what happened with this patient then uh, they died. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So guys. after we've just done <laughs> sorry, everything guys. that you've told us to do, <laughs> none of it worked. Yeah, I know. But, but you know, five to seven percent survival rates. Uh, you well, know, you know what? It's, it's worth it. It is. Yeah. Um, but I feel like still a lot of these principles can be applied to your deteriorating trauma patient that maybe hasn't arrested just yes, yet. But yeah. that doesn't that doesn't mean that any of these like practices and things aren't still valuable to. Yeah, think definitely, about. definitely. Yeah, keep keep those keep a uh, couple of things. Keep CABC in mind, you know, catastrophic hemorrhage, airway, breathing, circulation. Mm. It doesn't have to be in that order if the breathing is the big issue that you're dealing with. Yeah. You need to address breathing, right? If they've mm. got an obvious flail segment and they they can't breathe and they're hypoxic and desatting, pop the chest before you try and sort of establish an airway, right? Mm. Like So it might yeah. be CBAC. Um you know, you just need to be a clinician and assess your patient and address what you can in the order that you need to rather than just stick to being a technician and yeah. just do what your protocol says. Mm. Nice. Thanks for those valuable tips. Jeez. Yeah. Or you could drive faster to get there before they arrest. Mm. Mm. That's an always an idea with a uh, with a particular song. Hey, and um, yeah. look, Lee, actually, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good refresher because I mean, for me, I haven't been on road for the last twelve months, so my mind and brain isn't just isn't on that in that zone. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's really interesting having that. Um, bit of a refresher for me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Same, same here. We, like you said, we don't, we don't do these jobs that we often. We don't do them that often. No, and it's just, ba- it's just back to basics, guys. Back mm. to basics. Well, look, that's all we've got time for today. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and um, make sure if you like what you're listening to, um, leave us a review. Uh, give us some five stars. Otherwise, don't do anything at all. That'd yeah. be great. And tell us what you want to hear. We want to know what you want to hear. Yeah, exactly. And um, we're. <laughs> Lee, you know you no longer drive anymore. You fly. Yeah. I'm now listening to ABC on the way to work, um, <laughs> AM radio. So really, the only person that can give us some driving songs now, moving forward, is Genevieve. Yes, I have um, such a library of driving songs, but for this week, yeah, what have you got? I have chosen mm-hmm. "September" by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Tune. Let me tell you, it hits different. It sounds <laughs> Captain Planety. It's oh, disco. don't degrade Earth, it. Wind, ca- fire. No. <laughs> Captain, uh, Captain, if you said Captain Planet, I would have been like, yeah, okay, cool. This is where Jen's got her like sequins on and there's a little mirror ball <laughs> hanging from it. <laughs> All right, well, disco, on, that disco. Note, on that note, thanks so much, guys. We'll see you next time. Stay Bye. safe. Bye. Bye.